0: Greetings barbecuers, competition teams, and backyard grillers. Welcome to the Story Q Podcast. This is edition number two, and I'm Frank Erickson. We have got a great program for you this week. In just a minute, we'll be talking with Chris Gervin Brown, who runs a barbecue school in Australia. And I think you'll find his cooking methods and his love of grilling and barbecue to be quite interesting, so be sure to stay tuned for that. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but right now, to kick things off, I want to bring on StoryQ Magazine's founder and publisher, Laverne Gingrich, and find out what's going on with him, with Barbecue, and, of course, with StoryQ Magazine. Here's Laverne. Laverne, welcome to week number two of the StoryQ
1: Podcast. Thank you. It's good to be with you.
0: Uh, likewise, my friend. How has the response been to the first uh, podcast that we released last week?
1: A few people have shared some positive comments in the emails. Um it's not it's not been anything uh, earth-shattering so far. But uh, according to the stats in SoundCloud, the platform that we're using to host it, it looks like we have several hundred people listening. Wow, which is pretty special to me. Mhm. Uh, I think if we, you know, keep doing our part, it'll be a success.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think so. that's a good right. start for podcast number one to have several hundred people listening for sure. But that's I due also to, believe I'm sorry. That's due to the story <laughs> queue and and the work that you've done there and built up that audience. So
1: Right. I also you know, I also think the podcast is going to be a great platform even for connecting with other publishers and backyarders that would be interested in contributing to StoryQ magazine. So I think There's going to be some mutual benefits both ways. Yeah. Well, speaking of the magazine, what particular articles in
0: the last issue of Story Q that was published last Friday, which I thought was excellent, which one of those
1: stand out to you or you think a barbecue enthusiast would really enjoy? Well, we have a a nice variety of articles and recipes in this latest issue. I got a new Weber Master Touch kettle grill a couple months ago, Mm -hmm. and I'm having a lot of fun cooking on that. Um, I wrote an article uh, about the grill and some, shared some of the stories of things I've been cooking on it. Uh, that article is probably one of my favorites from this issue, uh, partly just because I, I actually got to particip- participate in real life and, and eat some of what came off the grill.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But uh, if, you're new to, if, you know, if you're listening to the podcast here and you're, you're new to grilling, I really encourage you to check it out. Uh, my goal was to inspire you with how versatile and yet simple that this grill is. Uh, another one that um, I really liked was Chris from Australia wrote another, he wrote about a very intriguing technique that you can use to boost the flavor and also the, uh, the appearance of your barbecue. Uh, I'd never heard anything like it before, but it's actually a very simple concept. He showed us how to extract the gelatin from your uh, your leftover barbecue. Hmm. And you can turn that into a flavored glaze. Uh, it's kind of a glaze-like sauce that you brush onto the finished product. Like, uh, for example, sliced brisket or could even work with pulled pork and a lot of different things. So
0: all that stuff that's on the bottom of the bag, be it ribs or pulled pork or brisket, that's kind of golden gelatinous looks like? Elmer's glue or something like that that you scrape off down the sink or into the trash, you can make a glaze out of that?
1: Well, he he took it a step further and he he took a um I think it was a beef roast that he used in this example and he cooked it down or boiled it down and then that way you'd get, you know, a lot more and then he added yeah. other flavors. I don't really want to get into it too deep here. If you're listening to the podcast here, just go check out the article. It's it'd be really worth your time. And that is at storyq.com. If you're not
0: a subscriber, we urge you to subscribe. And this way you can get the Story Q magazine with all the articles and the really outstanding photography. That's part of that. You'll get that delivered to your mailbox each and every month. And, of course, uh, you've got the podcast coming your way each and every week. So jump all over that if you can.
1: Yeah, and there was a lot of other good stuff in the issue, too. I, I, uh, In a way, I hesitate pointing out just a couple... Articles, but you know something different might stand out to somebody else. I, and it, I think it's it's all good, or otherwise I wouldn't have included it. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. obviously. Okay, well,
0: appreciate that. Um, thanks for uh, for coming on this week. We're going to uh, transition into our interview, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Very well. Thanks a lot, Frank. Okay, time to transition over to our special guest, Chris Gervin brown Now, Chris, as you'd suspect any Aussie to be, is a pretty down-to-earth guy who loves barbecue as much as any American I've ever talked to. But in Australia, they cook a bit differently and on different equipment, and they grill different meats than you and I here in the USA might be used to. No, he does not grill kangaroo if you were worried about that, so you can forget about that part of it. However, what does he grill and smoke? Well, let's let him answer that question. Here's the Story Q podcast interview with Chris Gervin brown of Perth, Australia. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Frank. It is morning in Australia. It's Thursday morning in Australia, and it's Wednesday afternoon here in Boulder, Colorado. Uh,
2: yes, early in the morning my time, and uh, you are just about to go to sleep yesterday.
0: <laughs> Yesterday for you. Well it's only four thirty five here, so it's uh it's at least an hour before my bedtime. <laughs> but um it's it's really neat to hook up and uh boy with our Skype connection here where uh you sound like you're just uh, over the fence.
2: Yeah, Skype works surprisingly well, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, most of the time it does. Most of the time it does. Well, thank you for your time today and uh obviously we wanted to talk about um Barbecue and story queue and mostly barbecue in Australia. So let me start out by asking you: How did you get the barbecue bug all the way down there on the other side of the equator?
2: Well, our barbecue's always been a little bit sort of different to uh, to yours. Um, personally, I, th- I I blame scouting. I think um, when I was a scout, I got the uh, I got the bug for cooking outdoors. Mm-hmm. wasn't much of a knot tyre or any of that other stuff, but um, the cooking outdoors part I really enjoyed, and so that's the path I've taken. Um, Barbecue-wise, we, uh, we are a nation of uh, what you might call grillers. Mm-hmm. Um, every house had a, um, a flat piece of iron that, uh, that, the, that the men of the house would build a fire under, and uh, crucify meat on, <laughs> as uh, as we were growing up, and that's changed a little bit. But um, if you go and buy a gas barbecue today in Australia, you'll get half grill plate and half flat plate, which is kind of different to the way you guys have it. Right. So, so we um, we still, as a nation, just cook food on that flat plate, and. Um, a little while ago, a couple of years maybe ago, people started to sort of leap away from that very slowly. Um, the American style of low and slow kind of barbecue started to filter in. Um, people coming back from you know, places like Texas where they've had that kind of food and trying to, to, um, to duplicate it here. Um, but it's we've got a long way to go. You know, we've only had two or three competitions here in the last couple of years and uh, we have now three people who are building offset pits, but for for a very long time, uh, mate of mine Paul was the only person in Australia build, building that kind of equipment. It's uh, we're at the very start, really.
0: What? Well, it's kind of exciting, actually. You know? Yeah. What What exactly would you cook on the flat part of the
2: grill? Me, nothing. <laughs> but, okay. but what if you about go other to my people? dad's house he'll cook everything on it sausages steak lamb chops lamb chops are big here mm-hmm. um everything will go on the flat plate because that's the only way he cooks
0: wow and then on the grilling side or is it burgers and hot dogs and brats or is it you can also obviously lamb can be
2: grilled uh, yeah, the grill lamb. Not so much your sort of bratwurst and, and hot dogs. We just have your plain old, I guess you might call it like English uh, sausage, English breakfast sausage. Mm-hmm. So just a plain sausage, um, and and burgers. Yeah. So out in the backyard,
0: that's what uh, that's what you guys are cranking out. Do you ever cook uh, ribs or or brisket or pork butt?
2: Yeah, that sort of thing is just starting to come in now. People are, are wanting to try and do that kind of thing, um, and and so for most people, it's a it's quite a big learning curve because most people don't know someone who who already does it. Um, they get their information off the internet, of course, which is fantastic, but trying to duplicate the cuts in in Australia is part of the. Of the issue, you know, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to get ribs that aren't shiners. It's uh, extremely difficult to buy uh, brisket. We've always had brisket as a as a food source, of course, but it's always been uh, just the flat, and it's always been rolled as a sort of one pot roast kind of thing that grandma would do in a slow cooker um, it's never been thought of as a as a barbecue food and that whole idea of um, using a lower heat for a longer length of time is qu- is quite foreign to most people here
0: now you mentioned earlier someone was it your dad that's or a neighbor that's building an offset smoker
2: uh, a mate of mine paul he builds them yes
0: and uh, that he bu- the, he builds them and sells them
2: yes yeah I see he builds massive trailer pits and uh, Silver Creek Smokers in Melbourne hmm. builds uh, massive gear and has a massive um, double-barrel um, trailer pit that he uses for catering and I has see. done for many, many years. But back then, there was like him and me. <laughs> wow.
0: So when you when your friend goes out and does a catering job, what kind of meats is he putting on that offset smoker?
2: Uh, he'll do uh, briskets or um, uh, beef rib, pork rib. Um, Pull pork, that kind of stuff. For well, Very, okay. very traditional um, U.S. style uh, catering.
0: I see. So the meats are very similar. What about side dishes?
2: Um, again, for that kind of thing, we, we tend to try and follow the sorts of things that uh, you guys will do. So we'll do um, apple slaw, uh, beans, you know, those, those sorts of things. But... Um, probably slightly differently to the way, um, to the way it's, it's done in your neck of the woods. Our influences, our food influences are um, a kind of fusion Asian because we, we, um, that's where we live, mm-hmm. in, in that sort of Asian uh, basin. And so we have a lot of Asian immigrants. We have a lot of um, Greek and Italian immigrants as well. But uh, a lot of our sort of modern food uh, influences are very Asian. So, you know, we will bend towards your sort of um, star anise um, and chilli kind of flavours rather than um, your sort of cumin or cilantro, you know, Uh kind of tastes. Slightly different influences, that's all.
0: Well, I guess that's to be expected, being in that region. But I think you know, Asian cuisine, which is so popular here in the states, and to be able to transition that over uh, to you know grilling and um, heck, why not?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. It just gives us a slightly um, a slightly different style, and then of course we have to treat the meat slightly differently because we um, we kill at uh, yearling, so we're we're a nation of. of prime cut eaters essentially Um, and so it's all yearling steak mainly and um, that means our brisket, when we start looking at the secondary cuts, Mm -hmm. our brisket is, you know, half the size of the brisket that's available in the U.S., so it cooks kind of differently. So following the, you know, if, if someone is trying it for the first time, downloading a recipe off the internet, following, you know, someone's technique religiously, um, they'll have trouble because it's, it's our, our base product is not the same. I see.
0: What about seafood? I mean, I always hear, you know, if you go to Australia, the first thing they're going to do is throw some shrimp on the barbie.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Is is that kind of a misnomer? Uh, Well, we all live around the coast. Very few of us live inland. We still have a a reasonable inland population, but but the majority of um, Australians live dotted around the coast. And, uh, yeah, the fishing's pretty good. So fish is fairly high on on our list. Um, We don't muck around with it too much. So we tend to just put it straight on and uh, grill it or fry it and uh, straight on the plate.
0: What's the most popular seafood um, product to to
2: grill over there? Oh, it would it would probably be snapper. It's quite easy for most people to obtain snapper or to go fishing in, and and uh, and haul up a couple of snapper. Um, so you sort of basic. Um, Little plate, what we would call a plate-sized um, snapper. That's a very readily available product. Not terribly cheap, but um, it's something that everybody understands. And it's usually just sort of dusted with a bit of flour, wiped with a bit of oil, and and uh, rolled around on the flat plate. <laughs> and that sounds and, wonderful. Uh, that's it.
0: <laughs> well, snappers, you know, it, it's a good solid fish. Uh, so you can put it on the grill or on the flat plate, and it's not gonna, you know, fall apart until you get it to your plate.
2: Yes, dead right. So and um, barramundi is also very popular. Um, we get massive barramundi up uh, up north. Um, huge, absolutely huge fish, and uh, and that's also a very nice fish, very solid fish to um, to grill. It doesn't fall apart either. What about shark? Uh, yeah, plenty of shark. But mainly our shark is, um, is used for uh, fish and chips. It's, um, really? It's what the rest of the world, I think, would use something like hake or cod. Yeah. We, uh, we use shark. Well, I'm going to have to try that. I- yeah, it's, well, it's, a lot of the shark is, um, is quite sweet in its, uh, in its initial um, impact on the palate. Very sweet kind of a, a fish, from very white um, flaky uh, flesh. So it comes up really well deep fried. I have done it on a spit, actually. Mm. Way back in my, uh, in my youth, a, a small shark, we loaded him up onto a, um, onto a spit and just cooked him over coals. That was quite an interesting exercise, but it went really well.
0: Well, uh, the, you know, shark is uh, is served here in American restaurants, obviously, and uh, it's it's really good. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's it's prevalent. Uh, sometimes it's not. You know, everybody kind of a lot of foods here. You know, fall in style and out. So for a while, everybody was going to places to eat grilled shark, and then it was grilled swordfish, and then mahi mahi was really big. And um, I don't know what the uh, what the hot seafood dishes right now, but uh because I'm basically just consumed with barbecue. So if it doesn't have four legs, I'm usually not <laughs> I'm usually not interested in it. But uh you know, I, I enjoy seafood quite a bit and uh you know, here here because it's easy and it's uh and it's plentiful, um I grill a lot of salmon.
2: So. I yeah uh, well the farm salmon there's always always plenty of farm salmon Around um, we we get um, um, ocean salmon um, farmed in Tasmania. That's a very very mm. readily available product. Any supermarket anywhere you can get uh, fillets of salmon. No problem at all.
0: So how did you discover
2: StoryQ? Um, good question. I think I was just probably surfing the net one day, um, and it looked to be the only barbecue uh, magazine around. Yeah. Um, I have I subscribed to a number of food magazines from all over the all over the planet, but um, trying to find something barbecue-related was almost impossible. So StoryQ came up. Um, I um, subscribed and uh, liked what I read, and then uh, I thought I'd send um, an email to Laverne and say, hey, it's me from down here. What do you think? Maybe we could have a column on, on what Australians do. Mm-hmm. And uh, he agreed and so here we are We uh, I write a monthly column and and I love it I love it. it just makes me think outside of the square all the time and um, kind of putting on show this sort of unusual stuff that um, that we might get into down here. I try to sort of steer away from the uh, low and slow there's plenty of you guys already doing it better than us probably so I,
0: I think one of the neat things about story queue is that it's not just about low and slow it's about it's about smoking it's about grilling um whatever whatever floats your boat so to speak I hate to use that uh that term but it's the one that popped out of my mouth so I'll go with it yep. um you know and most of the people that that are, that are subscribing to Story Q and listening to our podcast are people like you and I that aren't necessarily professional people, aren't in the business, maybe not uh, trained chefs. And we're just, uh, you know, firing up the coals and throwing on whatever happens to be available. Sometimes it's a steak, sometimes it's salmon, sometimes it's burgers and brats. And uh, if we've gotten the barbecue bug, uh, or the low and slow bug, like I certainly have, you go out and you buy a smoker and I try to uh, cook as often as I can on that. Um, my wife is not a big fan of smoke, so I usually no have to—
2: uh, I, usually I think that's to... a girl thing.
0: Yeah. I don't know what the why <laughs> that is, but so, so I've got to fire up the smoker during the day while she's at work. I work at home, and this way I can uh, have everything fired up, cooked, it's done, and it's ready when she comes home and she doesn't— uh, have to endure, endure it. the the horror <laughs> yes. of the aroma of smoke, which I happen to think is absolutely heavenly. But that's that's just us. But in Australia, what what's this? What is the season like right now? Are you transitioning from from summer into fall, or you know, depending on where you live?
2: It's uh, in- well, I live in Perth, uh, which is on the west coast. Uh, Perth is the most isolated capital city in the world, apparently, hmm. so a long way from the other side of the country where most people live, um, but here we are transitioning into winter, so we've had our barbecue season, so to speak, and um, we're starting to get into the cooler weather. It'll, it'll get down to sort of 8, 16, 17, maybe, uh, maybe 18 Celsius um, for a, a couple of months. And then it'll come back up up again. So that doesn't stop me from barbecuing. And, of course, here in barbecue school, we barbecue all the time. So um, we've got the facility to do that. It doesn't matter whether it's raining outside. We we can still keep going. Um, But for most people, this time of year, they will start to um, wind down you might pull your barbecue out every long weekend, but uh, most people have packed it away this time of year. It'll be another couple of months before they're starting to uh, come back up and think about it again. We're lucky here in Western Australia. We we get a very long barbecue season. Mm. It's a very dry place, not much rain. And and so from about um, mid-September all the way through to mid-May is um, is good barbecue weather for us. Do you get snow in Perth at all? We don't get snow in Australia. There's, well, then there's then a it's couple 12-month of, a barbecue There's places season. over in, uh, in the east where the mountains are actually high enough, but there, there is kind of one uh, ski resort. So not, not big snow fields at all. We've got uh, very limited access to snow.
0: Well, we can send some down. Here in Colorado, it's <laughs> ski capital of the uh of North America and um
2: be happy to send you a bunch. Well we can we'll swap you for some sunshine. We've got plenty of that.
0: Uh we're looking for that here in Colorado as well. We've had a month of, of clouds and rain, which is highly unusual here. And um Everybody, I mean, it's been kind of like right down through the Rocky Mountains and into the central states. And Texas, which is a huge barbecue state, um, one of the centers of barbecue in our country has just been under a deluge of rain. Floods, um, yeah. I oh, saw yeah, that on the news. Massive floods. And um, Crazy. So, you know, but some, that's how the weather sometimes goes here. It's, it's cold and rainy and then all of a sudden it's sunny in 95 and it stays like that. And then you start going, wow, I wish it would rain. <laughs> but,
2: you know, yeah, not well, if you're grilling. Yeah, we've had a very dry summer, so we're, we're looking forward to the rain. Not
0: if you're grilling or, you know, or, or doing something no. or getting ready for a barbecue contest. No, you said there's three barbecue competitions?
2: Yeah, we've had... Um We've only had one KCBS competition, that was a couple of months ago in Melbourne, um, and then there's been a couple of others. We run our own so- sort of set of rules. We have um, the Australian uh, Australasian Barbecue Alliance, um, and they have their own uh, set of rules, kind of like uh, KCBS, same sorts of sort of judging and that kind of thing but but we've changed the rules slightly um because we're a big nation of lamb eaters so lamb is a category for us sure that makes sense um and and some of the other things um you know we can't like like i was saying before we can't get a brisket like like you do it's ours is smaller and so we um we treat it slightly differently um but we are starting to head down that uh down that path down that competition path um we had 40 odd teams in our last competition and um using our using australian rules and i think 12 in the last kcbs um competition in in melbourne so not a lot of barbecue teams and big big distances between barbecue competitions so we're talking thousands of, of, uh, of miles. Oh, wow. And that, that's kind of what makes it hard. You know, the, we don't, as a nation, we don't have a whole pile of um, little towns spread all over the place um, where you can hold competitions or who are keen enough to hold competitions. Uh, some of that will change, but there are still big distances between in capital cities. And uh, and so that makes it kind of uh, a little bit different.
0: Well, I guess we would expect differences with uh, w- with distances being as great as they are. And uh, that's what makes the world so interesting, is that when you travel a great distance, um, you know, especially to Australia, everything's different and that's the way it's supposed to be. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of like the differences, actually. Yeah, I, I like, do too. Uh, I particularly like the internet for this because you can look, you can look at the culture of another country and look at its food styles and learn heaps, you know, from 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 afar. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Well, we've definitely learned a lot about Australian barbecue through you, and and thank you uh, very much for your time and for getting up so early. Or are you usually up at this?
2: Um, no, usually up at this time of day. That's uh, another. Um, advantage or disadvantage of living on the west side of the country. At this time of day, we're two hours uh, different to the people on the other side of the country, so they've been up for two hours longer, and my phone is normally starting to ring with people with barbecue questions. And so, yeah, 6 a.m. is a kind of normal start time for me.
0: So, Chris, you've got a barbecue school going in Australia. Tell us about that.
2: We do a lot of grilling as as we, um, as we discussed. But here, the concepts of um, internal temperature are brand new news to most people. And so we start with that kind of thing, trying to bash that sort of a, a lesson into them um, over the full day. We do 26 dishes in, in a day. Wow. Um, it's, yeah, it's a massive day, huge day, and a whole pile of fun do a lot of jokes, drink a lot of beer and, right. uh, and have a great time. But uh, essentially, it, it the guys go away with a brand new understanding of how their barbecue works. You know, the first thing I say to them is get rid of that flat plate. We were talking about the flat plate before. Mm-hmm. Get rid of that. We cook everything straight on top of fire and, uh, and c- kind of try and take the fear out of them. Most people are really, you know spooked by cooking straight on top of an open um an open fire and Mm -hmm. so that's what we do we force them to do that that, and um try and walk them through temperature and walk them through what happens at cellular level um what happened why a brine works differently to a marinade and and um yeah once they've got the science in their heads they're off those guys they um they have a great time, and they—I um, quite often get the wives email me, emailing me later, saying, um, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." My husband cooks every weekend now, <laughs> which is which is great. It's what we want to hear.
0: Exactly. Well, that would be fun to take a class where, yeah, at your place, definitely.
2: Yeah. Well, it's um, we have a we have a huge warehouse here with barbecue school set up inside, so no matter what's happening with the weather, it's, uh, it's easy to run and, and of course then when I'm not running barbecue school, I'm always testing a recipe or uh, mm-hmm. writing an article for Story Q or something like that. It, uh, it's, um, it consumes all of my time now. That and the, the little bit of retail that we do from here, um, yeah, I quite like it. I love it.
0: I'll bet you do. Do you have any videos on YouTube?
2: Uh, yes, I do have a couple of um, videos, very early uh, videos shot in my uh, shot in my backyard. But that's that's on the agenda for uh, this year too, is to um, start to increase that uh, video library. Um, I find it's a good way to get to people. It's a good way to um, to educate people and show them something a little bit a uh, little bit different.
0: If they wanted to go to YouTube and find you, what would they enter in the search field? Just Urban
2: Griller, all one word. Urban Griller.
0: Yep. U-R-B-A-N-G-R-L-L-E-R, Urban Griller.
2: G-R-I-L-L-E-R.
0: Well, I wasn't very good in spelling in school, so sorry about
2: that. <laughs> Nor was I.
0: We'll get it out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that we spell it correctly when we post it in Story Q.
2: Thank you. Nice and, talking to you. Yeah,
0: nice talking to you, Chris. I really appreciate it. and uh, We
2: should do it again sometime. Absolutely.
0: You can count on it. Hey, that's our podcast for this week. We appreciate you listening in. And if you like the StoryQ podcast, would you please take a moment to rate our program on iTunes? Your rating helps us get the word out to more barbecuers and backyard grillers, and we'd really appreciate your help in that. So thanks very much. Also, if you're not yet a subscriber to StoryQ magazine but would like to be, just go to storyq.com, that's dot com, and subscribe. And feel free to email us with any ideas and suggestions you have for future podcasts. So that's going to do it for this week. I'm Frank Erickson. Until next time, stay blessed, stay busy, and stay safe.